source of strength when I am weak. That takes me through when life is pressing me. I have a source of power from above. I'm covered over by a shield of love. I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains were made there just for me. For all my sin, my sickness, and my pain. When I need healing, I claim those precious blood stains. I do not know how shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains were made there just for me. For all my sin, my sickness, and my pain. When I need healing, I claim those precious blood stains. I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains were made there just for me. For all my sin, my sickness, and my pain. When I need healing, I claim precious blood stains when I need healing I claim those precious blood stains hey Mark ask Morgan if she has barley wine There we go. That's better. I got to flip the switch. We um, began our uh, <clears throat> message this morning. We were talking about, about this idea of being connected with God. And, and uh, we had, our, of course, our extension cord and the three-prong extension cord. And we recognized that uh, the two of those, we discussed those earlier on in the uh, month. And uh, uh, we recognized that the one prong of the extension cord is, is 
uh, likened to the Word of God. The other one is to prayer. And then finally, we started talking about this third prong, which is basically the ground. And that's kind of where we were today. And we started talking about the need for the ground. And we said that the ground protects us. And that ground in that wire keeps us safe from shock or possibly potential harm. And um, we turned to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And turn there, if you would, as we kind of kick this back off and as we kind of get back into this message and this lesson, if you will. But <clears throat> we said how important it was that uh, this ground is in place. And again, we got to plug into the eternal power source. And if we're going to stay connected, we've got to constantly be in the Word of God, constantly be in prayer, and we need to be in the local church. And we said that the believer is needing, uh, in need of grounding more than ever these days. And uh, why? Because there's such a surge of sin and sorrow plaguing our world. Um, it's obvious that our culture and our society are moving in a different direction than God and His Word. And as a result of that, we really do need the house of God probably more than we can even imagine. And First um, Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, notice this is kind of how we brought it together because we know that that uh, last prong is the ground, but we kind of tied it to the church through 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so we said that the church is described as the pillar and ground of the, church, of, of the truth. And uh, again, how important is it then that we are grounded? And in this, uh, the way we're trying to tie it together, obviously, this last prong is the church. It's the local church. It's the grounding wire, if you It's the portion that we need to protect us and to keep us safe and strong and we said that the confidence in the church has waxed and waned through the years, and it's under attack all the time. And people have a different view of the church than they used to have. I'm talking about not only believers, but just the world in general. Uh, I, I, just, I know in my own life, as I go into hospitals and different places, whether it be to visit someone or just to represent the church under certain circumstances, you know, I, I used to be, uh, it used to be a big deal. Oh, it's a pastor. Nobody cares about the pastor anymore. You know, the mentality, this mentality and idea that uh, he puts his pants on the same way I do has gone way overboard. Okay? Now, I don't put my pants on like you do. I literally jump into them. <clears throat> okay? Because that's what pastors do, all right? All right? <laughs> but, but the fact is, is that there used to be a, a, a you know, a, a sense of, you know, like you'd, you'd, you'd see a, a DR in front of someone's name, doctor. And boy, you'd say, wow, they've went to school a long time, and wow, they've, they've earned that, 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 that title. You know, and then, you, you, you know, you'd see all these different things, and then you'd say reverend or, or pastor, and people would be like, oh. And you say, oh, you just want people to bow down to you. You just want to think you're better than everybody. No, but I'll tell you this much. It bothers me that in the hospitals now, they don't think you're special and needed in the lives of people anymore. It does bother me. I used to have special parking places that said clergy on them. I'd pull right in, run right up, come back out, pull right out, right up front, man. I mean, it was right there. You say, well, that ain't fair. 
And that's exactly the attitude of the world today. It's sad that maybe some of you feel that way. You know, pastors spend, spend hours going out knocking, uh, visiting people in hospitals, and the last thing we need to be doing is worrying about paying for our own parking. Do you know you've got to pay for your own parking as a pastor now in one of the hospitals locally? It used to be you could carry a pass and they'd give you a stamp and you didn't have to pay for parking. That's changed. You say, well, why should you get any special favor? I'm not saying that I should, but I'm saying this. We've gone the wrong direction. That's my point. Whether if we'd have never started that way, then fine, that'd be the norm. But we did have that attitude that, man, pastors and and church workers, that's important. People need a spiritual foundation and a base. That's, man, that's every bit as important as any doctor. Man, nurses used to say, oh, the pastor's here. Excuse me, uh, pastor, uh, we'll get out of your way. Now they're like, hey, we're doing some things. You have to come back later. I waited 45 minutes to see somebody the other day, and I eventually had to leave because they continued to work on that person instead of saying, Pastor, could you at least come in? I know they'd love to see you and pray with you at least. And they wouldn't do that. That, was, that would have never been that way 20 years ago. It's changed. It's totally changed. And again, the attitude that the world has toward the house of God and toward even toward pastors and church leaders, it's changed. There's a different attitude. And unfortunately, it has crept into the church itself. And even Bible believers, people that name the name of Christ, don't recognize and understand the absolute necessity of the local church, which grounds us, which ultimately provides us some stability and strength that enables us to stand against the tide of evil, that helps us to be protected against the surge of sin in our culture and our society. He said the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. It's essential in the life of the child of God. And again, we are just exposing ourselves to all kinds of attacks, exposing ourselves to deception like never before because we do not recognize the need of the local church in our lives. And I I know I'm talking to the choir tonight. You're here. But I think it's important that as you filter through friends that say they're Christian, that want nothing to do with the house of God, you need to step up and say, hold on. How in the world could you possibly do without the church? How's it possible you can be a Christian and not need the house of God? I think it's important that you are a voice of reason and responsibility of the gospel. In 1 Peter 5.10, the Bible said, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Man, that sounds like grounding to me. And so we ask the question, what do we find at the local church that keeps us connected to God and grounded in the faith? Well, we said, we know we have to have the word of God. We have to have prayer if we're going to stay connected. We know our connection's not based on what we do. It's what Christ did for us. We understand that. But, but there's that element where you said of our relationship versus our fellowship. And we, we talked about that already over the last few weeks. So I'm not going to go over it all again. But boy, we need that fellowship to be sweet. So we need to stay connected in a very intimate, personal way so we can experience the, the presence and the power of Jesus Christ in our life. So how do we do that? Well, the Word of God and prayer and the local church. 
And we said, so what do we find at the local church that keeps us connected to God and grounded in our faith? We said, one, a pastor. You find a pastor. And as we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, we recognize that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. And we said, wait a second. So wait, wait, we're a body. We're not just a building. We're a body. So this pastor is a gift according to Ephesians 4, and that gift is not just to a building, it's to a body, it's to you personally as a believer, because you're part of the body. We noted that, and we said how vital and how important to the body is the pastor. Well, he's, he's vital and he's important because, well, he's used to perfect the saints, to do the work of the ministry, to edifying of the body of Christ. He's there to make you complete, to, to provide Bible application. He's there to make you strong and to encourage you and build you up. The pastor so necessary, so needed. What do we find at the local church that keeps us connected to God and grounded in our faith? A pastor. But we want to continue because there's two others. Next, we want to talk about the fact that there's a people. There's a people. And that's important for the believer. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll continue tonight. Father, help us, Lord. We need you. We are desperate for your touch. We, Father, pray that you would put it into perspective, the church, that you'd help us to see it as you see it, and that we would recognize its importance, its value, its necessity in each of our lives, that we would never underestimate the the, the, the importance of the church in not only our personal lives, but in our families. Now, Lord, we need you tonight. We pray your spirit would just speak to our hearts, that you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost, that I would be your mouthpiece. God, I want to be used of you. I pray, dear God, that you would just be with every listening ear, and may our hearts be stirred. And Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are glad to have those dressed up watching live stream. My wife said, please do not use that example of people in there <laughs> watching, eating chips and cheese. I said, okay. I said, I did not, I, I'm sure you are fully dressed tonight. <laughs> and we're glad to have you, unless you should have been here because you were able. Then we wish you were here. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Now I've clarified that. A people, a pastor, that's what you find there in that local church, a pastor. But we also find a people. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, turn there, would you please? Hebrews chapter 10. We're trying to remain connected. We want to stay connected to God. We want to remain grounded in the faith. Well... A local church is important because of a pastor. It's important because of a people. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. <clears throat> a lot of times we like to quote verse 25, but we don't spend a lot of time on verse 24, do we? Notice what it says. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another... And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice that verse 24. 
It begins by saying, and let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. I mean, think about that. That is a very powerful statement. By the way, that's a very common theme in the New Testament church. It's a practice that's encouraged and it's expected. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Again, let us consider one another. Well, how does that look and how does it play out? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we note exactly how that works. It says in chapter 2, verse 3 of Philippians, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let us esteem other better than themselves. I don't know about you, but that's a tall order right there. It's talking about the church, us as believers, the body of Christ. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but also every man, oh, excuse me, but all, every man also on the things of others. Consider one another. Let us consider one another in verse 24. And then we run to Philippians and he makes it real clear. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Wow, I'll tell you, I don't know about you. That's a theme in the New Testament that seems to prevail over and over again. It seems to me that God is trying to tell me that this isn't all about me. That somehow it has something to do with you. Well, I want it to do with me. I mean, it's, isn't it all about me? And you can be looking up here and thinking, well, I mean, God, he acts like he wants it to be about someone else in here or the pastor. Well, I want it to be about me. And that's how our children are, isn't it? Little children, you have to teach them not to be selfish. You know, what a little child wants to do is have the toy they want to play with. And then they see some other kid playing with another toy and they want that toy. And so they run over and they want to grab that toy. It's my turn. They grab the toy. But then the other kid goes, gets the other toy, and they're like, I want that toy. They want what someone else has. They're selfish. They want what they want. They want what someone else has. They want everything. Because the world revolves around them, doesn't it? And you know what? That is what we've taught children today in our homes. That's what we're teaching children to be in our society, in our culture. I watched a situation on a football game today for just a moment. One of the players went ahead and made a stupid mistake on the football field, cost his team 15 yards, and gave them a first down. They went in and scored on that drive, and I saw the coach as he went off the field. The originally, when he went off the field, knew that he made a grave error, and he got in his player's face. Why would you commit that, so to speak, crime on the football field? Why did you do that? You know that was selfish of you because this is a team. It isn't just about you. And that player got up in his face later on in the game and was yelling and screaming at his coach. I mean going crazy. You'd have thought he was ready to fight his coach. And I thought, I'd have traded him. He'd be playing for somebody else. 
But no, not in our society. He has a right to express himself with anger against authority because the world revolves around him. You know what? We're raising a generation to believe that. We wonder why our children aren't subjected to the authority, why they won't submit to ours or anyone else's. Maybe because we've taught them their whole lives. Everything revolves around them. When they cry, we come running. We walk around them all the time, hovering over them. The world revolves. You want to talk? Interrupt us. Go ahead. Now, you shouldn't really be like that, but if you choose to do so, oh well. Because they're just kids. They're smarter than dogs. If you teach a dog to sit and be still and wait until you tell them to take their food, your child should be able to sit and wait to eat. This is ridiculous. Wait a second. You say, what are you talking about those four? Because we're just children in here. You know what God knows and you know what the apostle knew when he wrote this? Is that all of us are selfish. It's all about us all the time. And as believers, he's trying to help us understand, no, in the church, you're going to learn a new way. You're going to be taught something that is uniquely different than the world you came out of. It's not about you. It's about someone else other than you. It's not just about your family. It's about their family and his or her family. It's about each and every one of you. You're all part of one body. You're a big family. You ought to care about one another. Notice in that passage in verse, chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That's what he goes on to say. He doesn't just say consider one another, but he says consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now he gives us a reason. He says, listen, I'm gonna, I want you to consider one another for a reason. I want you to provoke one another to love and to good works. Wow. Wait a second. I'm supposed to be the one motivating people to love one another the way they should love? I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to get out of my comfort zone and encourage people to do the work of God? How can I do that unless I'm doing it? Oh, that's right. That means you would have to actually be uncomfortable. I would have to be uncomfortable. Because anytime I got to do something for others, it's a lot more difficult than doing it for me and mine. But this is the church. You need the church. You don't know that maybe as much as you ought to know. And I may not understand how much I need it. I am a pastor, but I guarantee you that Jesus knows I need it more than I think I need it. I think to myself, I've got my wife, I've got my kids, I've got my family. I can handle it without the local church i got everything I need to be happy and content. Mm, but God says, no, you don't. You need the church. See, it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what he says. And he says, you right here, I'm going to give you the reason that you're to consider one another. Each and every one of you are to consider one another, not just yourself or your own, but one another to provoke unto love and good works. That word provoke means to call into action, to arouse, to excite. I have no idea what Brother Marty's thing was this morning. (laughs) But he was motivating us and exciting us, getting us all on the same page somewhere. Something about 
dentures. But boy, I tell you, he had us going. He was provoking us. He was a call to action, arousing and exciting us. And in verse 25, we continue to read. We're given further insight into this reason. Hebrews 10, 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, that exhorting means to encourage. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of Christ, that's right. The day that Jesus Christ returns. And it's not going to get brighter, it's going to get darker probably. Boy, we need encouragement. We need one another. We need each other to uplift and to encourage and motivate and move us and to ignite us for Jesus. The church is a place that believers gather in order to motivate one another to love God, each other, and the lost. The church is a place that believers gather in order to motivate each other to do right and to take a stand. The church is a place that believers gather in order to encourage one another to remain faithful in the midst of the storms of life and the constant attack of Satan. There's a people here. A church is no stronger than its people. And I understand that the Lord is the head of the church, but we comprise the body. The body of Community Baptist Temple is only as strong as you and me. I read a... Find it here. I read a little piece the other day that speaks volumes of truth. It goes like this. This is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service, if I who make it what it is am filled with these. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. A people. Man, I want to stay connected with God. We're going to need the local church because there you find a pastor. There you find a people. We all need encouragement. We all need each other. And and more and more in the day in which we live where there's so much distance between what the world is teaching and believing and what the church stands on. Oh man, let me tell you what, you're going to need the church if you're going to truly be faithful in the work and the walk that God's given you to do. It's impossible to live in that world over time without any other believer encouraging and helping us. And by the way, God didn't expect you to do that online. Well, I, I I have an internet friend who's a Christian and we fellowship all the time. 
Show me that in the Bible. Well, God didn't catch up to all that mess. I mean, it was way back then when it was written. You know, they didn't know anything about all this modern technology. That's right. Oh, that's right. John was transported to the book of Revelation where he wrote the book of Revelation. He literally saw the future. He wrote down what he saw. Oh, God couldn't. Maybe he did see the Internet. Maybe he did see all that mess. But for some reason, he never said, uh, provoke one another through the internet. No, you do it through the local church. You consider one another in the local body. That we, we are really making mistakes in this area. I'm just going to throw this out. I wouldn't let my two-year-old hold my phone and play with it. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Just throwing it out there. Because you got a pastor in a church that's supposed to try to encourage and help you. Get them off that junk. They don't need it. Let me tell you something. They'll be okay. Five years old is plenty early enough. <laughs> they won't be behind the eight ball. They'll still make it. And they'll still be smarter than the Chinese. Remember that when you was growing up? Well, they're going to take over the world because they actually go to school. What are you going to do? You guys aren't learning nothing. And we used to, remember in the day, we used to actually compare ourselves to other nations in our education. Well, you know, the, the, the foreigners over there, they study you know, a lot of hours, and we're cutting back on our school. Boy, America's going to go down. And now that's considered racist if you say anything like that. No, that's just called reality. If you don't study, you don't get smart. But I guarantee you, your kid doesn't have to start on a smartphone at the age of two in order to keep up with the Chinese, the Japanese, or the Germans. They'll be all right. They'll make it. So I'd throw that in there. They do need the church, though. See these little kids running around here, tripping us all up? You're like, whoa. And you're like, slow down, start walking, don't run. That's cool. They need to hear it. But boy, they need that more than they need this. Yeah. I, I know, I know. I'm, I'm meddling now. A pastor of people. Finally, number three. You know what you find in the local church? You know what we find at the local church that keeps us connected to God and grounded in our faith? A purpose. I touched on it this morning real quick, and I, I just threw some verses at you. It's not what I had for you, but... Look, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. A purpose. Do you know, is it okay? I mean, are we allowed? I'm just kind of curious. As pastors today, are we allowed to actually, uh, like, take a stand on the culture of the Bible in our churches today? I mean, are we allowed to say that things ought to be the way God said they are? No, are we allowed to say that, you know what, we still should dress right and act right and live right and talk right? And be right. That you know, you still should obey your mom and dad, and you should be a, a show, a, you know, a show respect to authority. Is, is it okay for pastors to take that stand nowadays? Yes, Are we allowed to do that without being, you know, social misfits and outcasts and considered to be very rude and crude and 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 you know, just so, you know, I don't know all the words that the the world has for us. I, I don't know if we're loud anymore. I, I don't know if the people want us to be that way. I feel sometimes like everybody wants us to conform to what the world is doing. And they want their churches to be more like the world. 
You know, we got to be accepting of people and things. we got to love everybody. And love, you know, preacher, means accepting what they're doing and saying it's okay. Wait a second. That's why you should need the church more than anything these days. Because this is the one place we come together in singleness of mind and recognize that God has the authority and right to tell us what is right and wrong. That not everything is okay. Just because the culture and the society say it's okay doesn't make it all right. Just because the majority claim that this is a good thing doesn't make it good. Doesn't it frustrate you to tears? Doesn't it bother you that you are afraid and I am afraid at times to actually express our biblical position for fear of being considered weird, outlandish, to being intolerant, nasty and mean? That's so ridiculous. But that's the way it is. And you know what? Let me tell you what. You need the local church and so do I. Because this is a place we come and we can actually let our hair down a little bit. We can kind of go, whoo, I feel comfortable to be who I really am. I can really just express myself because what the Bible says and what God says is good. I love it and I believe it. And matter of fact, children, those parents over there spank their kids too. Man, it ought to be a place where you find some solidarity, some commonality. Because Christ is the head of it. We should think like Christ and act like Christ and be like Christ. And when we come together, we can provoke one another to love and good works. And love does not mean tolerating everybody's sin. Putting up with it and saying it's all right. That's not what that love is. Tell that to Jesus walking through the temple. I mean, come on, what's wrong with us? Tell that to God on Mount Sinai when he wrote the law. Everything's all right? No. No, there's some things that are right, there's some things that are wrong. Talk about equity in a world we live in. There's a God who is totally equitable. He doesn't see color. He doesn't see gender. He doesn't see any of that. You know what he sees? People. And he, he says, okay, you know what the rules are? The same for everyone. They're the same. You know where we come to the church? We come to the church because we know what the rules are. And we can provoke one another to following those rules, to keeping those rules, and to doing those things which honor Christ. A pastor, a people. But what else keeps us and enables us to be connected to God, grounded in our faith? A purpose. Ephesians 2, 8 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, if any man should boast. This is the verse we don't focus on much, though. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Before we were ever saved, God had already determined that we need to walk in works, that we need to perform good works. That's something we're supposed to do. Believers are to work. I mean, I believe that's what the passage is saying. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Well, to do a good work, you have to work, right? 
I mean, that makes sense to me. I don't know about you, but it seems to me believers are to work. We have a purpose for existing is what he's telling us. We don't have to just, we're not just uh, saved, if you will. We're, uh, he didn't save us just to sit and sour. He saved us to stand and serve him. We have a purpose. Even as Adam was tasked to keep the garden, so you and I are given a work to do on behalf of our Heavenly Father. Every believer has a work to do. Every believer has a part to play. It's part of our connection to God. We can't possibly be in proper connection with God if we're not fulfilling the purpose God gave us. If we're not working as God described and shared with us. I mean, Adam, oh, Adam gets created and he sits in the garden. He says, God, I'm sorry, I'm not going to keep the garden. But, but that's why I, I placed you there and I gave you a job to do. That is what you're to do. That's your purpose now, to, to do that and then to fellowship with me. And obeying me is a big part of fellowshipping. You've got a work to do, Adam. Do the work. Well, I, that's just not for me. I mean, if you could get some computers and stuff here, I, I'm a techie. I don't do the gardening thing. He says, wait a second, do you get to decide what you do for me? You keep that garden. And you know what he did? And can I tell you, God has something for you. And it may not be what you want to do. But God may want you to do it. I really didn't know for sure that God wanted me. I thought, man, are you kidding me, Lord? There's so many better people that could pastor a church. And there still are. But God said, eh, take what I can get. It's all right. It's on you. Let me tell you something. Man, we got a work to do. Even Jesus was sent to earth with a purpose or a work. In John 9, 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I must work the works of him that sent me. Now, Jesus didn't send us. God didn't send us. We're already here. He placed us on this earth. He created us. And, and, and now here we are. But he saved us. And he could have taken us directly to heaven when he did. But he doesn't. He leaves us here with a purpose, a work. Boy, there's so many other people in the world that need this truth. There's so many other folks that need encouragement. God didn't save you so that you could just bask in your salvation and enjoy your life now that you're saved and say, well, at least I know where I'm going and I know what's going to happen to me and, and maybe even my wife and family. That's good. No, he's saying, listen, I, I left you here with a purpose, a work to do. And it involves so many other people. You get the privilege of serving me and working for me. Man, we go to the work, workplace all the time and we work for a man or a woman and we submit to their authority because they're going to give us a paycheck. We have the privilege of working for the Creator. Can you imagine what that paycheck's going to look like at the end of this life? If we're faithful to Him, if we continue to serve Him and the work, and in the local church as God intended, because that's where we find this purpose being fulfilled, in and through the local church. Boy, that, that retirement plan, so to speak, is going to be great. That pay is going to be well worth working for. 
What we work for now is gone like that. But this will last for an eternity. And that work isn't over. According to John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus may have told us already that I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. But he goes on to say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus had to leave, but guess what he did? He left us with a standing order. Last time I checked in the military when I was there, you had to fulfill your standing order until someone relieved you. So you stayed at it. He says, greater works than these. He says, guess how much you can do. You want to know why we can do greater works than he did? Because he's in all of us, and there's more of us. He was limited to space while on earth. He could not be in more than one place at a time. But guess what? I don't know how many is here tonight, but there would be that many places that Jesus can go. We can do much more than he could. But we all have to be engaged in the work, and it's through the local church. And that work is eternal. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's an eternal work. I want to stay connected to God. You want to stay connected to God. Well, then there's a couple things. Yes, we need the Word of God. Yes, we've got to be in prayer. But we need to remain faithful and consistent in the house of God, the the local church. Because it's there we find a pastor. It's there we find a people. It's there we find a purpose. And that keeps us connected to Him. It keeps us faithful and going for Him. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, this work is an eternal work. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man per- but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I, I look at that passage and I marvel every time I read that. Think about that. In the book of Corinthians, think about the setting or historical setting of the passage. Consider what the Christians were going through and enduring in that day and age. And he has the audacity to say, for our light affliction? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul? What, what, how, how inconsiderate could he be? Doesn't he realize that we're being persecuted? Doesn't he know that I just lost a husband or a wife because they hold them off to jail? Doesn't he know that my children had to watch their daddy die in front of their face for his testimony for Jesus? Light affliction. Light. Hold on. He says, it depends on how you look at it. By what perspective you see it. Notice he says, but though, he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, first of all, he says, it's not very long in comparison to what? As we're going to see, eternity. For our light affliction is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says, man, what you're dealing with and enduring here on earth, is only going to provide and give you the opportunity to experience and enjoy 
the many manifold blessings of God. The one, man, look at this. He says, it's an eternal weight of glory. It's an eternal weight. It's light here compared to the weight of the wonderful glory you'll experience in those days. Such a much larger glory than affliction now. It seems like a lot to you if you're not careful until you compare it to the marvelous glory and the hugeness of the glory that awaits us if we faithfully endure the light affliction. By the way, when's the last time you figured that out at home? Heard that in your own personal study? I'm telling you, the local church is needed because it reminds us of the eternal, the eternity, eternality, the eternality, eternality, the whatever that we have to look forward to. Well, I'll tell you what, he goes on to say, for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on the thing, at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Boy, I don't know about you, but you know where I get reminded all the time that there's still an eternity? You know where I really feel the best? Listen, I don't know about you, but when you're going through a real tough time, maybe you're concerned about your own life, maybe you've been given some bad news by the doctor. I don't know about you, but this is the place that... I find hope. Man, when I start hearing again, over and over again, songs like I heard tonight, and, and I'm reminded that there's more to life than just today, that there's an eternity that awaits. You know where I hear that? In the local church. I'm reminded of that constantly, and I'm, con I'm provoked to love and to good works because so many are considering me by singing and serving and doing all the things that they're doing, and I go, wow, this is real. We're not wasting our time. It's worth standing for Jesus in this sin-sick world. That's what I figure out when I'm here. And the work needing done in the church is expected to impact the world for eternity, by the way. Everything's being done. He wants it to impact the world for eternity. So what are you doing for Jesus Christ that impacts the world? It, it, it has an impact on the world around you and eternity. So well, I'm trying to think. I don't know that there is anything. Man, you ought to get involved in something that is. Because that's the work. That's what God wants us to do. I'm going to be serving you some ice cream, and I think God doesn't take that lightly. <laughs> At least the ladies, not you guys, you losers. I think all of it has its place, but let me tell you something. If all I ever did was serve some ice cream, yeah, yeah, I think he left me here to do more than serve ice cream. You know what I mean? I'm not downplaying little things that we do for the Lord. I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm telling you what we do ought to impact the world we live in. And I want to get as close to that as I can. Some people can't walk. It's going to be hard to go knocking doors. Some people can't do certain things. They can't sing, so they can't get in the choir. Please don't get in the choir. 
But there are things we can do. Man, we could make a meal and take it to somebody and give them the gospel at the same time. We could buy somebody a pair of shoes and drop it off. And I'm not talking about our buddy and our friends who can say thank you and kind of reciprocate over the next years. I'm talking about somebody that would never maybe ever see you again even. And we're doing something to impact the world we live in, to make a difference in a life. And we do that even through the local church. We're inspired to do it through the local church. We're encouraged to do it. Our giving is in the local church. Our going is in the local church. Our life that's lived in the local church. It keeps us connected to God. Because there's a pastor, there's a people, there's a purpose. You know that work will be evaluated and it will be rewarded accordingly. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, just a chapter over, verses 9 and 10. As we come to the close here. As we come to a close, not to the close. I saw there was a few clothes back in the corner there. Not sure where those came from, but if they're any good, save them, I'll sell them on eBay. I'm teasing. I'm teasing, okay? okay, Whatever, okay, sorry. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absence, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Or that the work will be evaluated and rewarded accordingly. And let's make sure we're investing our lives in eternal things. And boy, the church is a good place to go to do that because that's how the Bible teaches. We serve in and through the local church. We got to, the local church is essential. It's absolutely necessary in our lives. It's so important. It connects us to God. Yeah, you can go to your prayer closet, and you should. Certainly you can get in the Bible and study, and you ought to. But boy, that local church is invaluable in our lives. It's invaluable. Two deputies in Plain City, Utah, they pursued a seven-year-old boy who was driving at a Dodge Intrepid on Sunday, July the 26th, 2009. Preston Scarborough. He reached a speed of up to 40 miles an hour before, they finally, before he finally pulled into his family's driveway and he took off running into the house. He told his dad he got in the car and drove away because he didn't want to go to church that morning. You think, wow, that's crazy. He's just seven years old, though. He can still be trained that the church is important. How many wish they could just get in their car and drive instead of having to come to church? Or maybe go to the lake. How important is the local church to you? To me? Well, if you weren't getting paid, you wouldn't be here all the time either. I guess time will tell one day if the Lord gives me enough life to step down from the pulpit, then you can watch my life and see if I was really real or not. I think one of the most discouraging things I ever see is when older couples that serve the Lord together don't continue to serve when one of them passes. It's one of the most discouraging things I see or pastors who eventually go into hiding and never knock another door after they preached it their whole life. I don't know how you can do it if you don't believe it. 
I don't know how you can do this if you don't really mean it. At least not do it right. If I didn't do, I, and listen, if I didn't do what I'm telling you to do before I was a preacher, I'd have had a hard time telling you to do it now that I am one. Just like you, I did a lot of things. Those things I'm asking you to do, I did those things and I didn't get paid to do them. I don't regret one time doing them. I built my life around the church. Long before I was a pastor, I built my life around the church. And I don't regret that. You'll never regret it either. And in eternity, you'll be thankful that you did. Does it guarantee every one of your children will turn out for God? Nope. Does it guarantee that your marriage will be solid as a rock forever? Not at all. There's so many more factors involved than just attending church. There's so many issues, aren't there? It's not just attending church then. It has to do with being connected. Connected through the Word of God. Connected through prayer. And connected through the local church. Well, let's stay connected to Him. Oh, we're going to have some trials and we're going to have some tragedies even. We'll be able to get through them with Him. We've not seen the darkest days of our world yet. I don't mean it be a Debbie Downer, but it could get worse. But you know what? It don't matter. Because he's still good. It'll be okay. We'll make it. One way or the other, we'll make it. This light affliction is only for a moment. We can deal with it. And we can do it with a smile on our face. We don't have to be complaining all the time. Like we said this morning, we just have to be filled with the Spirit of God. Walking in the Spirit. And God will enable us to overcome and to be victorious. This is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service, if I who make it what it is am filled with these Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. May God help us to have that same attitude. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time we've had together. And Lord, again, it's just good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we have the same mind, same outlook, because we believe in you, the same God that's unchanging. The same word of God that's unchanging. The world may be different tomorrow than it was today, but Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you that we have that kind of stability to plant our feet upon, to rest our souls. Thank you for the hope that we find and have in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to stay connected with you in the word of God, in prayer, 
and in, in the local church. Do this work, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed. Every